podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, Liverpool played Chelsea last night in a battle for fourth place and unfortunately were defeated again at home, fifth defeat on the bounce. So I needed to have a chat about it, I needed to clear my head and uh, joining me is a really good friend, um, Eddie Gibbs from Anfield Index. Hello, Eddie. Hi, Gav, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah, well, I'm as well as can be, I think <laughs> it's, uh, it's not the easiest uh it's not ideal, warm up to, but you think of that Bill Murray film, don't you, from the nineties? Ground up, yeah, <laughs> totally. We'll get we'll get into all that. Just before we um, we get into the actual chat, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, just give us a like of the video and press the subscribe button for uh, so you can see our future broadcast. We've got some uh, exciting guests coming up. Um, Eddie, I'm not going to go through the team. I think the only chat really worth talking about was Fabinho coming in. There's nothing else really to talk about. Um, there was a little bit, I covered the press conference before the game and there was a little bit of chat from Jürgen that he would, well, he, he, his phrase was, it would be helpful to see Fabinho back in as, as, as a six. And he chooses him at centre-back. How, what did you think when you saw the team? Well, I've been saying for weeks that I'd have preferred, uh, I, I think the first stage of fixing this mess is to... Uh, start putting our players in their right positions. But it sounds like his hands were tied again with uh, Matt Phillips not even in the squad, which suggests that even if he wanted to, he wouldn't have been able to. So it's, uh, I think it became a horses for courses thing again, which is kind of the story of the season, which is a great shame really, because for a game last night where Liverpool were completely bossed in midfield, having him there would have would have increased our press and it would have stopped that uh, option that Chelsea kept having to go over the top, which both managers tried to do. And that was uh, an obvious tactic to try and uh, benefit from uh, Timo Werner's pace against uh, Kabak and uh, and Fabinho. But if Fabinho had been that bit further up in midfield, I think that that would have nullified that to some extent. So it's a great pity that uh, he wasn't able to play in midfield. But to me, that's absolutely the starting point is to get our players back playing in their correct position. So I'm with you. I'd have, uh, I'd have liked to have seen him in midfield. I think I, I think um, I think there was a decision to made if Phillips was it was was injury free I guess, um, but it's just let's just go into this a little bit because I I sort of had a thought. You've just mentioned it there, Groundhog Day. It, what we're watching at the moment is like a movie you've seen over and over again. You know the ending, um, and as an analogy, that's fairly accurate. The, the problem that I've, I I was thinking about last night when I was watching the game was. When Gomez and Van Dijk both got injured in a short space of time, was that not the... And by the way, just before I say this, hindsight is utter rubbish. You know, same with hindsight is rubbish. But what I'm saying is, would people have been on board with him changing the way we defend at that time? Because we defend very in a very specific way. We have two centre-backs who are quick, who can defend one-on-one really well, and he could defend big spaces. Once we haven't got that ability, surely you kind of have to look at it and go, well, we haven't got those players at our disposal. We're going to have to do it differently. Um, And now the passage of time has gone on. I'm just wondering what what you think about that, whether you think, you know, that would have been a sensible decision at the time. Yeah, I think think we can always qualify it with hindsight. Like you say, it's very easy for us as as fans to come on and start saying this, this and this should have been done when we've had the the benefit of that hindsight and... uh, (laughs) In all honesty, nothing that we do is accountable to what this team does. You know what I mean? It's like we just crack on and do what we do anyway. So uh, I think we have to qualify it that way. I mean, I I did a tweet thread last night and I was very much starting it because 
when you go on this, when you start criticizing the team now, we know how toxic certainly environments and social platforms like Twitter can be. And it's quite annoying when you say something quite constructive and what comes back straight away is go support Everton or go support Man United. You know what I mean? And it's a, it's a, you get the WTFs and all this sort of stuff, get your head out the sand. And that's you trying to be constructive. You know what I mean? So what chance have you got if you, if you were, if your head wasn't in the sand, you know what I mean? And I think that's, that's where it becomes very difficult as a supporter in the modern environment, because you do have to factor in that hindsight at every step of the way. And uh, I would take the problems back even further than the ones you did. And it comes back to, it comes back to business in the way Liverpool trade. You know what I mean? It's a, the manager wasn't backed, no matter what anyone says, after winning the Champions League. He wasn't backed again after winning the Premier League. You know, what I mean? and maybe he was part of that decision-making process not to not to do that. But I think that the point you make there about the uh, the centre backs is that we knew this was on the horizon when Gomez went down the week after Van Dijk in October, and. I'm absolutely adamant that something should have been done and something, and I said it all along, this isn't hindsight. This is something that I said as a supporter watching from the outside with as little information as I have to make these decisions. I would have had your, your, your two centre-halves lined up on the 1st of January. And if that meant the summer plans were impacted, then so be it because we're now in this conundrum of not knowing whether to stick or twist with, with top four. And that should never have been the case. We should have strengthened from a position of, of strength. Yeah. We were top of the league at Christmas. I mean, that's hard to fathom. How could we be top? We're eight points clear of Man City and now we're 20-odd behind. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a, the, the drop-off is absolutely cataclysmic. And to have not done something to strengthen from a position of strength, Liverpool's mantra going back to all those glory years is a massive oversight in my, in my thing. And it, I mean, it was because Jurgen Klopp and the players were overachieving, clearly. They were overachieving through November, December after those injuries. Their, their steam, their head of steam, if you like, from the glory of the past two years, from... The psychology of the players is what drove them to be top of the league at Christmas. And now we see the fall off. So to answer your question in a very roundabout and long-winded way, yes, we should absolutely have had centre-backs lined up to allow Liverpool to keep playing the way that they were playing. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a drop-off. From, you, you can't replace Virgil van Dijk. You know what I mean? It's just not possible. Mm. But that's not the sole reason. Liverpool's line, Liverpool could have carried on playing that high line if they'd gone and acquired centre-backs from a position of strength, perhaps had to overpace slightly for them and affect the summer plans and done that in uh, in December so that it was ready to go on the 1st of January. Could I, could I just counter you on two things that you, you've said there? One, um, you know, you said that the owner should have backed Jürgen. I, I firmly believe that the season before he was happy with the squad and he, did, he didn't want to change it. He, wanted, he referenced Real Madrid and the fact that they hadn't made any signings and, and carried on yeah. winning. Um, but last summer... The owners did back him, really. I mean, they, they went out and spent forty odd million on Jota. I think the 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 choice was, and reading between the lines, I've got no obvious inside knowledge, but the choice was you can either have Tiago or you can have a centre back, and he's gone yeah. for Tiago. So is see, I, I think I think they should have found a way to make sure he got both of those. Right, that's where that's where that's where, where my countenance comes. But in. then we're Jota. in the middle of a pandemic and there's no fans. Exactly, exactly. That's it. But I, I would give you the finance on it. The, the, I get all of that, Gav. But I don't believe that even if the owners don't want to put their own money in, which they haven't done from the start, there is finance mechanisms available to everyone during this pandemic. Yeah, it can't be used as an excuse. Liverpool had access to funds by hook or by crook, that would have allowed them to have gone and done that deal and they didn't do it. They, they left that window with a profit. You okay. know what I mean? And that's a, and that's that, a net profit. And that, that's my 
that's my big thing. The, the problems of this centre half situation stem back to the summer. And I think I was saying it back then, so I, I'm I'm not going to let hindsight defend my uh, defend my thought on it because I, I've said it since the start. I mean, it was a massive glaring mistake to go into the season that was going to be the most intense. Listen to Simon Brundish speak on Anfield Index and the and the fatigue index stuff that we do, and you'll hear him right at the start of the season saying we're going to go into the most intense season physically on these players. Everything was based around Van Dyke maintaining absolutely solid numbers of appearances. Mm. And obviously the injury that he got was the worst injury you could really get. You know what I mean? You don't get much worse than an ACL. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's one of those that has left Liverpool up the creek without a paddle, really. If you're enjoying this video so far, please show your support for the Ken 7 channel by subscribing, clicking the like button, and also clicking the notifications button as well to get future broadcasts. If you could also share the video on your Twitter and Facebook account, that will show YouTube's algorithm that you like our content. Have you heard about Ken7 merchandise? The link is in the description of this video. We have premium fanware for fans covering Liverpool, Celtic and Scotland. And it's fanware for young and old. So we have t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, caps, mugs, you name it, we've got it. Just something else to remember, every purchase that is made on our website, we donate to the Marina Dalgleish Appeal. So you're helping a great cause as well. Of course. The, let's move on to the midfield. What, how did you see the, the midfield performances? You know, did, did anyone cover themselves in glory? Personally, I thought Jones struggled. Yeah, um, he did. But um, actually, just just... Let's just develop that. Thiago's performances since he's started playing. We all know how good he is. You can see it. You can see he's a world-class player. What's starting to frustrate me, and I'm starting to wonder if it's because of our system and the way we ask midfielders to play, you're not seeing him do those things that you know he's capable of. I mean, have you got any thoughts on that? Well, I think that a few others have summed it up far better than I'd be able to uh, far more articulately as well. And the fact that, 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 that I was quite, I asked the same question to people on my shows that you're asking me right now. And the answer that I got back was actually quite a good one. And the fact that Tiago is actually an enabler. He's a, he's a, he's a luxury player. You know what I mean? He is your, your gold level uh, creator of the creator. So he's not, he doesn't, he hasn't, even in the Bundesliga, he hasn't stacked up masses of assess. He doesn't score many goals, but he is the system player that takes that ball into the best possible place for the creator to create the assist for the goal scorer. So, you know what I mean? You, you have to do it in steps and Liverpool haven't played that way. They haven't, they, they haven't got the luxury of being able to play two number eights or an eight sort of advanced 10 where Thiago could maybe excel. And that's where uh, he's been this deep lion playmaker and, Liverpool don't need that because our deep lying stuff come from the flanks. Mm-hmm. So he's actually just had to slot in as almost like a workman-like number six type midfielder in most of the games. That's where we saw all those rash tackles from him in the uh, in the early games where he was playing. And I mean, he does seem to stamp that out a bit in the last couple of games. Perhaps that he's been told just to kind of wind that in a little bit because he wasn't he was going to get sent off eventually if he didn't uh, if he didn't yeah. wind his neck in a bit with those, with those challenges. He was a red card waiting to happen. Klopp had to sub him a couple of times. I actually don't think he had a bad game last night. He actually, no, he didn't. He was no, I, what, he, he was fine. I wasn't getting at that. I didn't think he'd had a bad game. It was just something that. I spent a lot of the um, a lot of the game last night pontificating. I think you have to accept that what <laughs> Thiago what Thiago's world class elements are. 
You know what I mean? He, he was not a world-class number six at any point in his career. You know, that's not, that's not what he is. You know what I mean? And I think that if we qualify that and accept that we've never really been able to see him in his best position yet properly, for, certainly for a run of games, then that's perhaps where uh, where the failings of him, if you like, and it's not his fault, are, are, are lying. And I, I, I don't want to be too defensive of the midfield because the midfield were awful last night as a collective. You know what I mean? We were overrun. Uh, Kante, Kante had the run of it. You know what I mean? I mean, he is a great player. There's no, yeah. I don't think there's a better ball winner in midfield world football than him. You know what I mean? And he uh, he had the run of things and our midfield just weren't at the races. And go, going back to your earlier questions, that's where Fabinho in the midfield would have been excellent for us because we'd have actually given them a contest in midfield, which yeah. we never did. There's an impact further back. If, if our midfield aren't at it and they're not closing teams down, they've got too much room and space to pick passes over the top. That's it. And, That's and then it. The defenders are, are, are turning around all the time. And it, it seems to be, you know, it was certainly that last night, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so. I mean, it was... Uh, it was very disjointed. And it's, like you say, I, like we were saying at the top of the show about Groundhog Day, I think you could take your match review podcasts from the last eight Anfield games, probably, and just copy and paste them into the slot and say it's the Chelsea preview and just do a different intro. I mean, I think you're taking up way too much time doing uh, doing preview podcasts. Where <laughs> just, you just a man of your talents could just sort of cut and edit audio and just go with the same again. Change the thumbnail on the on the, yeah, 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 YouTube. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, I could help you with that. Okay, so let's move on to something more performance. We, we definitely improved in the second half. Did you did you see anything different? Or were you- I think there was more intensity, Gav. I yeah. think there was a bit more intensity in the second half, and that, that you could see that. Well, you know, when the players came out, and it, I think the pictures came on, and uh, you could see Klopp. I think he was giving sort of Mane a big G up and things like that as the players took back to the field. And I think that was the thing that you know there was a bit more intensity, certainly for that first ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the performance per se improved. But the, 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 there was that bit more intensity from our players. And I mean, let's be honest, it wasn't hard to increase the intensity no. level from what we saw in the first half, which was absolutely dire. But at never at any point, I don't know about you, but at never any point was I that confident that we were going to get an equaliser. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, that's something that I think the performances that we've seen are perhaps instilled in us in the fan base now. Is that we've lost that belief same way as our players seem to have lost that belief. And we're going to go and get an equaliser. Like last season, you just thought, Liverpool... They, Chelsea score one, we'll score two. Yeah, it's you know coming. I mean? We yeah, might yeah. we might score three. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that and and you could stem that back to that line that's on all the uh, the stuff at the training ground. What is it? Uh, intensity. What is it? It's, it's, it's identity. identity. Identity is our intensity. Yeah. identity and yeah. uh, no fans in the ground doesn't really lend itself to that, does it? So it's. Uh, I, I don't want to use the excuse of the injuries, the fans, the psychology of the players. I don't want to use. They are they are factors. They're absolutely factors. Yeah. They're mitigating factors into this form, but they are not the sole reason behind it. And there is a massive drop off from the from the players as well. How did you see the? Um, obviously, Mo Salah reacted um, negatively to his being substituted, and it, it, it seems. I mean, obviously, the commentators didn't understand it. He was annoyed himself. What did? How did you see that? Well, I think all the substitutes were a collective disaster last night. And that, that if I was saying to you before that first 10 minutes when there was a bit more intensity from the, uh, from the players, that was quickly uh, dropped off when the, uh, when the substitutes were made. They were, they were completely regressive substitutions. Uh, Klopp's, Klopp's comments after the game were pretty laughable in, in my view as well. You know what I mean? I think he's just defending the players, which is obviously his right, and he'll yeah. always do that. But uh, I think Matt Critchley had put a tweet out basically saying that, that Klopp had been talking about Salah not tracking back or something, and he'd had a, then he had a conversation with Linders, and very quickly the board 
went right. up and, and, and right. Salah was withdrawn. And then I think uh, Salah's agent is uh, pretty uh, pretty on the pulse here because literally within seconds of that, he just put a single tweet up, very cryptic, just a full stop. You know what I mean? So it's like that stuff, there's no need for that. You know mm. what I mean? It's absolutely churlish. It's churlish. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Your agents shouldn't be doing crap. Like I'm not that. even sure if anyone out there could afford him. Uh, maybe PSG. But, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe. we don't know. And, and Real Madrid have got money anyway. It's going to be one of the oil new money clubs, isn't it? A PSG or, dare I say, even a Man City. You know what I mean? It's a, but it's a, or a Chelsea. You know what I mean? The clubs that aren't really affected by uh, by, by sustainability because they, they just run an unsustainable model as it is, purely based on the finances of their uh, their yeah. oligarchs. Eddie, where do we go from here? It's tough. It's going to be tough to make the top four. Uh, I think that three places you could pretty much say are, are going to be nailed down. It's hard to tell because an injury crisis to any team could affect where they end up now. You know, probably apart from Man City, you have two uh, two first 11s that would both win the league. You know yep. what I mean? It's, it's as simple as that as far as I'm concerned. They're going to run away with this, which is fine. Uh, that's a remit. The uh, Man United, I mean, they're not far away. We could, even after all this, all this nonsense that we've had, this worst run of form, losing five games at Anfield for the first time in history, we could be four points behind Man United come Sunday night. You know what I mean? It's like, it, they're, and they're second right now. So mm. there's still plenty to play for. It's just that it's so disappointing that whenever results seem to lay their path for us to take, get back on track, get back on our horse, start pushing on towards into that top four and sustaining our place there, we shoot ourselves in the foot every single time. And that's the hardest thing for us, I think, as fans. I don't think anyone expected Liverpool to just go and win the league and steamroller everyone again and again and again and again. But you do expect with this team and the expectations that they've set, they've set this bar to at least compete in matches and certainly Anfield. And that's the hardest thing I think for us all to, uh, to watch on and accept. Is any of you on your, I mean, you have on your podcasts on Anfield index, you have a lot of varied contributors. Has anyone drawn any comparisons towards Klopp's final season at Dortmund? Now, there is some stuff about that. Uh, what, what, there's an article, actually, and I've not read it yet, so we'll just ask the watchers to uh, perhaps go and look at it. If you have the athletic, I think Raphael Honigstein's right. done a piece on that today, and wow. he's, actually, uh, he's actually written about how Klopp fixed it that time. Right. So uh, that'll be interesting. We'll both go and have a read of that probably when we come off the yeah, this show. But uh, the, the, the one stat that I did see today, when it was very interesting, was Simon Brundish. I'll mention him again. If you go and look at him on Twitter, at Simon Brundish, he tweeted a comparison between Klopp's first 38 games as Liverpool manager and the last 38 games as Liverpool manager. And the numbers are almost identical. Right which is incredible. Same amount of goals conceded was about 50. A few more goals scored actually in this last 38 compared right. to the first 38. Right. So it shows you, and obviously there's a couple of factors that spring to mind straight away. Both of those were without Van Dijk for one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, obviously the uh, the difference in this last 38 games to that first is that there's no fans uh, in, in, in the stadiums. But none of us were on a downer particularly in that first 38 because we knew that Klopp was building something. Yeah. Whereas everyone's mindset now is that you're on a complete downer because yeah. of the highs that we've had and we've just come crashing down. So I think I'm that's still, quite an interesting stuff. I'm still not in a position to even start thinking about questioning the manager, no. though. Uh, that's I'm just nonsense. Anyone that is, is there are some, the wrong some way. idiots doing it. but it, That's yeah. crazy. 
Yeah. That's right. just crazy. You know what I mean? I had, I had it last night because I criticized on Twitter. I did a thread and I, like I said to you at the start, I made a couple of constructive criticisms about perhaps the substitutions, which I've just spoke to you about. I didn't understand them. Uh, I don't understand how we've not tried at least to do something different with the front three. Like for instance, that substitution last night, Robert, Roberto Firmino, God bless him. He, he doesn't score goals anymore. Mm. He just doesn't, you know what yeah. I mean? So why was the substitution? And we, we know why Klopp said because of some intensity thing with Mo Salah or whatever. Yeah. And we don't know if he's on a, in a red zone. It didn't look like it when, uh, when Mo Salah came off, he was shaking his head. He didn't seem very happy, but what I had thought the natural substitution when you're bringing Diogo Jota back is to play him on the left, bring yeah. Mane to the right and put Salah through the middle. Yeah, yeah, Salah yeah. is the, the, the top goal scorer still in the premier league, which is incredible. You know what yeah. I mean? It's hard to, it's hard to believe. So why not give that guy the most opportunity to score the goals uh, by playing through the middle? And we never do that. Never at one point have we tried Shakiri in the 10 and Salah and Mane up front. We've never tried anything. It just seems to be the same Paul, time and time Paul again. Paul Dogley said to me once, you know, I think sometimes you have to give the players something else to think about. Even if it's not what you want, it just keeps yeah. them fresh, their minds fresh. We're doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same result at the moment. I guess the thing that Paul would, <laughs> Paul would know better than me on this, but I think that the thing might be that because we haven't had the training time, because we've been going straight into games again and again and again, and Klopp's so methodical that Matt, perhaps he's just never, if he doesn't feel he's got the time to work on something properly then he just won't quit. You know what I mean? And it, I think it was telling at the interview after the uh, Everton <laughs> match, he, he was very much along the lines of, "This, we'll, we'll just keep trying this. You know what I mean? He didn't say that in so many words, but I'm paraphrasing, but that seemed to be what the message that he was bringing across, that we'll just keep trying this because it will come back. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's what we're seeing on the field. And I, 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 th- I think people are starting to see through that now. And I wish he would have tried something a little bit different. I really do. It's a... And, and we don't know the inner workings of a football club. Perhaps they have tried things on the training ground and he's just not like the look of them. And as such, they've just stuck with uh, stuck with what they know. But I like what you said, anyone saying that Jurgen Klopp has to go buttoned up the wrong way. Uh, it's just, I mean, that, that that's just farcical, you know yeah. what I mean? And I, I got that, when, like I said to you, I got that last night when... Uh, when I put those messages out, well, who would you bring in instead? And never once did I say that I wanted the manager to go or anything. But that was the line that people went down. Oh, so you think it's time for Steven Gerrard? It's like, no, I'm happy with the manager I've got. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. But that's, that's the way people's, people react to anything that's even constructively criticised of the manager. They just jump on that. Emotions sort of are high, aren't they? Straight Binary, up. binary yeah. method, yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. Listen, lovely stuff. Um, Ed, what's uh, what you and the guys doing on Anfield Index at the moment? There's plenty going on, and it's kind of ironic that more people seem to engage with the shows more when we're losing. So it's a, it's one of those that uh, for Liverpool we've had this massive success. I mean, we have Jan Molby on every week, and I don't think he had spoken about a defeat until a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. Now it seems like all he does is talk yeah. about defeats. Uh, the stats guys on under pressure, obviously, they do their analytics after every game, and. Uh, they're seeing some interesting trends like the one I mentioned to you there about uh, Klopp stats in the first 38 and the second 38. So there's loads of cool stuff on there and they, they, they take a deep dive on every match still. And it gets harder and harder for someone who likes to be positive to listen to these things, but you do it anyway out of duty. You feel it's, uh, it's something that you should do. And uh, just like watching the games, Gav, almost, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, I'm sure we could all find stuff a bit better to do with our lives right now than sit and watch uh, some of these, some of this football that we're being uh, served up. But we, we, just live and learn and we crack on so no Anfield Index uh plodding away we did uh 
some shows, obviously, certainly one show yesterday around uh, Kenny turning 70. Yeah. So that was uh, that was good fun to It was really good listen, actually. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, thank you. It was uh, it was something that I was keen to make sure we put together to do uh, a bit of credit to the great man. And uh, then uh, then I see he's joined Instagram yesterday as well. So yeah. Lauren, uh, Lauren was saying he's got on board with that. So that's uh, kind of interesting to see how that one develops. But uh, no, really, just the normal just the normal routine at Anfield Index. But it ain't half hard being uh, involved in podcasting when these games come so thick and fast. It's like where where do you take a breath? It's fu- it's funny. I mean, I, I sometimes don't want to talk after a defeat. I don't want to talk about it. But me and Paul were talking last night, and I've got my head round everything by writing the season off, apart from the Champions League. That's that's the way I'm dealing with it at the moment. So um, you're so so go on then. So let's let's pan that one out a little bit then, right? So you're saying that you've pa- you've been the season off apart from the Champions League. So it's the only so way we, it's the only way uh, we now need to win that. that. We now need to win that to get uh, in the Champions League next year by your yeah. by your by, by, by my, your priorities. That's where all my energies are lying now. The the Champions League. Oh really? Well, that one uh, being moved back to uh, Hungary has uh, yeah. has got yeah. the jets going a bit. <laughs> right, mate. Well, listen. Thanks very much for coming on. It's uh, I've wanted to get you on ever since I started this, so it's been a it's been a real. Oh, well, I know you've asked a couple of times, and I, oh, I, and you're busy, man. It just work. It work. Not so much the Anfield Index stuff. Work is just absolutely crazy just now. And uh, up until uh, I, I know you've still got the situation down there with your daughter, but up here our schools have gone back. Well, certainly the first three primaries went back a couple of weeks ago. So I've actually found some time to kind of walk around the house without noise again. And right. It's been kind of good not having to sit on Zoom calls with the teacher and kind of learn my three times tables and stuff. Uh, today was the last day of homeschooling, so I'm like, honestly, I mean, <laughs> I wish I, I drank. I don't drink anymore, so I wish I, wish I drank because I, I do feel like having a drink uh, today. But, but <laughs> I might, I've got a, a plethora of non-alcoholic options, so I may well be cracking one of those out open tonight, I think. But listen, thanks very much, mate. Uh, I do appreciate it. Good luck with everything at the Anfield Index. Cheers, Gaffling. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.